Hi, thanks for listening to C3 Hobart Online. If this message impacts you in any way, please don't hesitate to contact us. We hope you enjoy this message. Amen. All right, why don't you take a seat here this morning? You know, um, when I met um, Pastor Sean and Marella, I saw them across the room. I can't believe it's only 13 months ago because I feel like we've been friends forever. And I saw them and I saw Pastor Marella um, particularly and I thought to myself, oh, I have to know her. I really like what I see. She has to be my friend. There was no option whether or not she wanted to reciprocate. I just decided we are going to be friends. And I love her. She's got that Anne of Green Gables vibe, like spirited and intelligent and strong. And I I saw that. I'm like, I need an Anne of Green Gables in my life. Yes, I do. And uh, I feel like we're like brother and sister. Like Pastor Sean used that term this morning. And I do. I I feel covered. And it feels like family. And that's very, very sacred. I I come to you this morning in a vulnerable season of my life. In fact, it's probably been nine months of grief, if I'm honest. There are these seasons in our life that we wouldn't ask for, but they do refine us and and gold is refined in the fire. And uh, particularly just a couple of weeks ago, I was in a hospital ward and one of the first thoughts that went through my mind was, am I going to be able to fulfill my commitment to Hobart and come? And I let a couple of days pass and let myself recover a little And I just simply knew I'm coming to a place that is kind. It's not abrasive, it's safe. And therefore, I know even if I come in weakness, I'll I'll be okay. And truly, even as I just drove through the streets of Hobart, I just felt the healing nature of this beautiful city. And to be able to sit and just drink in the beautiful views and enjoy the spirit of this city, honestly, I will always remember Hobart being a part of my healing story in this particular season. And I thank God for that. I feel that he, um, he foresaw and he positioned this visit to Hobart um, as much for me as for you. And so I want to say thank you to you for what it's meant for me. <laughs> very, very special. And I love being a part of this Equip Week because building the house of God is my absolute favorite thing to do. My life scripture would have to be zeal for your house. It consumes me. Um, It's awesome. And, you know, we were only together a year ago and Pastor Sean was giving us a tour of the building and we went upstairs and he was showing us a, a literally vacant part of the building, which I believe is now being fitted out with offices. And as he threw his arm back, I just felt God say, uh, Pastor Sean and Morella are going to, they're going to fit out vacant spaces, not just the literal space of that office, um, but also spaces of culture. They're going to um, craft and shape and, and build culture in this house, and they're going to take further territory. And so I'm very excited to come and feel that like I'm walking in the fulfillment of that insight. In the offices are filled out. This place feels, I can feel the strength of the last 13 months. I can feel it in the people. I can feel it in the house. And I'm excited to see you moving into the Huon Valley. God is with you. You cannot fail. And actually, as I was praying into this morning, the picture I had of Pastor Sean and Morella was an arrow. And I love Pastor Sean. You're very much, um, you're very much a way maker. You're very much a breakthrough agent. 
Um, there is something in you that will not back down. You're like a dog with a bone. And I love that. It's very powerful for the kingdom of God. It's very effective for building the church. You're very much that arrowhead that breaks through, that takes the force of the breakthrough. You are actually physically, spiritually wired to be able to take the force of the breakthrough, which is very powerful to remain steadfast. And um, Pastor Morella, the part I felt that you were in this arrow was the, the feathers. And I had to look up what what the resemblance of them was they're called fletching the feathers on the back of the arrow they're the plastic veins or feathers on an arrow fletching creates wind drag and also can cause the arrow to spin similar to a rifle bullet providing stability and accuracy in flight and I very feel much feel like you're the egg and the yolk together there is a sense of completion and stability that you bring together the feathers bring the stability and the accuracy and you are just a pastoral heart on legs you are one of those gracious kindest most beautiful humans I have ever met and honestly you I, my soul has just been healed just been in your company Without even words spoken, healing just flows out of who you are. It's, you're very stunning and together you're very effective for the kingdom of God. And it's a, it's a privilege to know you. And I've also got my amazing cousin here today, Rachel, who's interning as a doctor at the public hospital, which is awesome. And we don't get to be together all the time, so this is very cool. And I've also brought Olivia with me from Sydney, who is a stunning pastor and leader and strategist in her own right. And I say, watch this space, Olivia Gilbert. And there's been a lot of lovely, genuine connections made over this weekend. This is not just a drop-in. This has been very significant for Olivia and I together. And we're very grateful. It's amazing. Hey, if I can bring up that photo of my family. They're back in Sydney town. My husband is... A very um, very capable single parent at times and he, I know he's running that household like a, a smooth ship they'll be having fun together um, I'm very grateful for my husband he, he is a man of integrity and kindness he actually he reminds me of Pastor Sean if you if you can think he's something like him he's um, very has incredible capacity he's very kind he's very present for our family um, and he's, he's an incredibly efficient leader of our church and we love building together. It's lovely to build the house together. And then there's my 12-year-old um, daughter, Sienna, uh, and she's got a distinct leadership gift. I feel like she's already ready to take over my job. <laughs> and I actually consider it a poignant part of my um, blessing as a mother to sow everything I can into her and raise her up. I actually believe she'll be one of my finest disciples as a minister, as much as my daughter. And then there's my eight-year-old son, Jesse. He, he's warm, he's kind, he's empathetic. And if I'm not well, he's the one who comforts me. He's very, he ministers to me with his kindness. He'll come up alongside me. When everyone else is hustling and, and about their own business, he's the one that will come and sit with me. And then there's Cleo in the middle, and she's creative and whimsical and dreamy and a delight. And she keeps us all light and enjoying life. She's the sweetest. So that's my family. And I just want to read this scripture over you today from 1 Chronicles 4.40. And it says, And they found rich, good pasture, and the cleared land was wide, quiet, and peaceful, because people of Ham, or C3 Hobart, or C3 Huon Valley, had dwelt there of old, and had left it a better place for those who came after them. Can I just remind you 
C3 Hobart, that you are magnificent. I said to Pastor Morella after worship, is this normal? This place is amazing. May we never grow familiar with the wonder that we have in the local church. It is the gateway of heaven. Miracles are normal in the house of God. And I feel like they're going to become like a currency in this house. I actually feel like the increase of miracles is going to happen in your lives and in your sphere of influence. And you're going to take it out into the community. Who knows? The world needs some kindness. The world needs some interventions. The world needs some financial interventions, some relational interventions, some peace of mind. And we have that in our hand. We have it in our heart. And I believe it's going to become status quo in this house. Stories of redemption. Stories of miracles. You know, Hobart is going to thank you, C3, for for focusing this Equip Week to get your bold on, to get into the game for the sake of your city, for the sake of your family and beyond. Why don't we just thank Jesus here this morning? Come on, let's put our hands together. He is good. Ephesians 1, to 23 says in the message translation, he is in charge of it all, has the final word on everything. At the center of all this, Christ rules the church. The church you see is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. I just want to reinstate some order here today because I feel like there is a, a, a polite at sometimes apprehension in the, in the city of Hobart. And it's quite lovely. Nobody's pushing an agenda. There's a, 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 there's a social sense of kindness and consideration. But I just want to restore some order in our heart today and remind us that uh, the church is not peripheral to the world. Rather, the world is peripheral to the church. And let's just get that, that sense of strength and clarity on the inside of us today because we cannot forget, we cannot grow apathetic because the world really needs us right now. We've got a lot to give. So I want to bring a word this morning. We are way makers. And I want to inspire us out of the story of Caleb. And I'm going to impart a Caleb spirit here today. That is seeing a river through a barren land. That is carving out paths, carving out new territory. And believing, going into uncharted places. And knowing that in Christ we are able. We can go where we haven't been before. We can move off the path. Move off the beaten path with Christ. It is all possible. So Isaiah 43, 19 says, For I'm about to do something new. See, I have already begun. You know, there is a long story. There's a C3 Hobart story. The Lord is in your midst. He's been writing a story through this house. He's been writing a story over this city. He's been writing a story in your heart. And and I just want to declare in this equipped season that God is birthing and releasing something new, a new spirit. Do you not see it? So it's important today I've come simply to open the eyes of your spirit so that you would see what God is doing, that we will not be in a slumber, we would not be apathetic, we would not be lost in the normal rhythms of life, but our spirit would be awakened and we would see because you can miss it if you don't see. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. In some ways, even the the floods in May, those um, devastating floods that struck this city, 
you know, that literal river passing through the, the city is not what we would ever hope for, the difficulty for our city. But what these times do is they bind us together, they unite us together, and it awakens us. It kind of shakes us out of the norm and it positions us differently. We, and we're never the same when disaster comes to our household. When it literally strikes our house, we're never the same. We're awakened and we see differently, we feel different. The priorities shift. It's like, what was important yesterday is not important today. We're positioned differently and there's great purpose in that. There's life in that. We never invite opposition, but it does awaken us. You know, the floods are of the natural, but they break a spiritual slumber. And I feel like God is purposed in that. He uses these things to awaken his church. You know, all over the world, the community and the church meet eye to eye They see each other at points of need and points of vulnerability. And I feel like there were some in this city that knew the name of C3 Hobart when the doors were opened in the floods. We actually see eye to eye. It's like we stop running parallel and we intercept when there's need and when there's vulnerability. It brings us together. So Christ uses these devastations to open our eyes, both the church and both the community. It's when when we feel like we're lost or we're in need of an anchor that people find their way into the life of the church and they've got margin for Jesus. It seems to be at these points that Jesus leans in and he finds us. He is close to the brokenhearted. I know this to be true. Does anybody agree out there this morning? Do you know this to be true? He is awesome. And Hobart, you are a seeing church. You certainly have seeing senior pastors. I feel like they see in the day, they see in the night, they, they rise in the, 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 in the early hours of the morning and they see their hearts are awakened and carrying this city. There's a fervency, there's an attentiveness. And I pray that spirit, in fact, I know that spirit is going to catch in this house today. You are a pathway through the wilderness. You are. You, the individual, are a pathway through the wilderness. A river in the dry wasteland. God is miraculous. His provision is contradictory. The restoration of life. This is who he is and this is who you are. Amen? Amen. I'm talking about the Caleb spirit. He was a way maker and we are way makers here today. See, Moses sent out a group of men to scout out the land for future settlement. He sent out a dozen. Caleb was one of the few that saw into the future and he knew his people would thrive in that new land. He knew it in his heart. And I I pray as you listen to this message today that the the Holy Spirit would illuminate in your heart. He would speak to you. Where are you called to make way? What's your next practical step as you move out of Equip Week? Equip Week was not purposed to be words that fall on ears. It is purposed to be seeds that land in hearts, that bear a harvest. And so I want to ask you if you could commit to one practical next step. Ask the Holy Spirit. He will speak. He will not withhold. What would it be? Where are you called to make way? Sometimes making way looks like slowing down and finding rest and centering and recalibrating. It doesn't look the same for every individual. Sometimes making way looks like talking to that individual, having enough margin to slow down and see that person that you cross paths with all the time, but not seeing them with familiarity, seeing them with a heavenly perspective and leaning into their world and letting them know heaven through your life where are you called today to make way amen you know is it to go to faith to to believe again 
to believe again is sometimes one of the hardest things to do. But I believe hope is going to be restored. Even in this atmosphere today, even as we sit together, the company of the saints, that a little flicker of a flame is going to ignite on the inside of us and we're going to have hope again. Amen? So the story goes on in Numbers 13, 27. They told Moses, we came to the land which you sent us. Surely it flows with milk and honey. This is its fruit. But the people who dwell there are strong and the cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, there we saw the sons of Anak of great stature and courage. There were giants in the land that they were to move into. And the thing about this generation, this band of 12 brothers, is that they had grown up in Goshen and had probably not seen walled cities before. So they're literally going into a place and they're seeing these strong cities fortified and very large. They're seeing walls that they have never witnessed before. They're, they're going into uncharted territory. They're witnessing things, opposition, resistance that they have never witnessed before. I just want to say this morning, just because something is unfamiliar doesn't make it greater than God. He loves to take us to places where we're out on the waters, we're in the deep, we're unfamiliar because we lean into him like never before. And just because it's unfamiliar, just because the, the Huon Valley, it, um, planting in that region, just because it's a new thing, just because it's unfamiliar does not make it greater than God. I absolutely believe God's spirit will go with you as you move into this new territory and extend the heart of this house. You're taking the essence of this house and you're sharing it with a whole community of people that otherwise may never experience it. What a wonderful thing to do. It's awesome. Here's the thing, fear projects and exaggerates and makes things seem bigger or distorted or different to what they really are. When fear rose in the hearts of the ten that were apprehensive and spoke to Moses and were apprehensive to go into that new land, fear had distorted their sense of reality. There were giants, there were walls, and it had got up and it had got a hold of their heart. But Joshua and Caleb saw differently. Something different was in their heart. Faith had arisen in their heart. Love and a centeredness in Christ was in their heart and say so that they weren't apprehensive they saw differently fear projects and it, and it changes the truth what is the actual truth sometimes we've got to see through the mist and see what is actually real and let the let the emotion simmer down and in Christ strengthen our heart and be built up I want to put up an image this morning it's kind of cute but it shows uh, how our truth can be distorted just the giraffe it can be distorted. This is what fear does. It's, it's a mere toy, but with light projected on it, it, it appears as a giraffe. And fear does a similar thing. It, it distorts and it, 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 it changes the reality of what we're looking at. And sometimes we're going to close our eyes and not look with natural eyes, but rather open the eyes of our spirit and ask the Lord, tell us what is real. Tell us what is true. Tell us what is actual. And fix our eyes on that thing and not let fear distort the truth the reality of what we're looking at. We need to look past the distortion and see what is true. Thank you. You can take that image down. You know, in the midst, we choose to clear, we choose to cleave to love instead of fear. There, you know, in times of testing, we have to decide which camp we're going to go with. The band of brothers that were fearful or those that had faith in their heart, they saw differently. They had to decide on the inside, what is my heart going to cleave to? Look, if I can be honest, uh, coming into the start of this year, I thought, oh my goodness, my ministry landscape looks so different. It looks so barren. 
compared to what I've known the last 10 years, actually two-thirds of what I've been putting my hand to um, in building the church, just by a mere organisational shift, uh, has gone to the side. And, um, you know, I feel like a little bit of a spinning top, like I'm trying to land, I'm trying to find my new normal. But, but in this process, in this nine months, what I'm trying to do is, is, is rediscover, is look through the filter of love, know that my, my God is absolutely present. I feel like he's up above me. His sovereignty is evident. And I'm down in the midst of the, the battle and I'm trying to navigate the reality that I'm looking at. But I'm choosing to lean into love rather than fear. And I feel like you've got to choose what your heart is going to be eclipsed by. Is it going to, be a, is it going to go the way of fear and, and let the language of fear color the way that you see your view or is it going to be eclipsed by love knowing that a loving father is completely present with you even if all gets stripped away he centers you he has a harvest for you in fact I was flicking through social media at the start of this year and I was seeing women's ministry pop up everywhere which is something I love to do but I don't get to do in the same way in this season it's kind of been um, recalibrated and I was flicking through all these images and it's a little bit of salt in the wound because it's like you're seeing the thing that you love to do but you don't have permission in this season. And I just said to the Lord, what am I going to do with myself? What am I doing? And he said, you build for me. And it's like, friends, sometimes put the giraffe shadow aside. Remember who your God is. Fix your eyes on him. Look to him. Don't let your reality be distorted by your emotions get a grip on them, center yourself, ride the wave, he is so with you. Perfect love casts out fear. Uh, Verse 30 goes on to say, Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and possess it. We are well able to conquer it. But his fellow scouts said, we're not able to go up against the people of Canaan, for they are stronger than we Dan Rockwell makes this great statement. He says, those who aren't committed find fault. Those who are find a way. You know, remember that division is a tactic of the enemy because it dilutes our effectiveness. Sometimes division exists on the very inside of us. We're on this side of the fence. We're on that side of the fence. We're on this side of the fence. We're on that side of the fence. Meanwhile, we're not going anywhere. Division, even on the inside of us, dilutes our effectiveness. It stops us moving forward. And certainly in a team, in a company of believers, it's so important to be aligned and on course together. And I want to encourage this church to stand aligned with a clear spirit behind your senior leaders, even as you go into the Huon Valley. Turn up to the prayer meeting. Let your heart be caught up in this corporate vision. Get on board. Sit on the ship. Travel. Do the race. Do the time. And, and, and be one of those that is a, it's very powerful, the alignment of our heart. There is a harvest that comes when our heart is aligned to the vision. Sometimes we're sitting in a seat and we're watching harvest all around and we think, oh, Where's my harvest? Well, often our harvest is corporate. And when we engage corporately, we get swept up in this beautiful experience. We find ourselves in relationship. We feel like we have a part. We, we feel like we're part of the heart of the church, not just sitting on the fringe of the church. I want to encourage you, get swept up in all that is C3 Hobart. It is, it is healthy. It is steadfast. And your life will be blessed as you join with it. It's beautiful. You know, unbelief needs to be quietened. So faith can cut through and I don't feel like you're a complaining community at all I only see kindness and health um, coming out of your hearts and coming out of your minds and your mouths but I want to encourage us that sometimes unbelief just needs to be quiet and I've definitely learned in this season 
okay, Nat, you've done enough verbal processing. Now you just need to be mature enough not to talk so much about it. You know, sometimes as girls, we <laughs> maybe even men, we need a little bit of verbal processing about the things that don't quite look like we want them to. And I think there is a grace period for that. And then I feel like God's like, okay, you're more mature than that. <laughs> can you just draw a line now? Sometimes we need to say less because many times our words can really undermine even what God is trying to unfold in our life. And there's creative power over our tongue. And what comes out of our mouth is either for life or for death. We need to, we need to let the words and the overflow of our heart be pure and be level, lovely and be noble and be upright and aligned with what heaven sees over our life. Amen. It's very powerful because sometimes our influence is broader than what we even know. I want to bring up a picture of influence. It's a root system that a young artist um, gifted to me once. It says it's called the shape of influence. And I thought it was quite a profound insight that the shape of influence would literally be a root system that reaches farther than even the eye can see. And it says the visible and the invisible. And sometimes, friends, you'll never know the far reach of your influence. And some of you are very unassuming personalities. And you would think that I don't even have a serious influence but we all do as we are present in this world over our children in our households in our workplaces the lightness and the joy and the strength that you bring to your scenarios travels many times further than we can even see because we have influence we have a responsibility that the spirit that the sound of our of our life is building up and bringing strength and bringing peace all around us amen it goes on to say in Numbers 14, 24, But my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit and has followed me fully, I will bring into the land into which he went, and his descendants shall possess it. I want to say because he has a different spirit and has followed me fully, his descendants shall possess it. This house has a, has a generational legacy and, and there is a responsibility on us all for our legacy that's running through our life. We're not just called for today. We're called for the generations that follow. His descendants shall possess it. I want to say for your children's sake, have a different spirit. I want to say for your future's sake, have a different spirit. Because what echoes in your future is born as we make choices. Let the spirit, let your, the sweetness, the sound that's coming out of your life travel through into your future and influence it well. You know, as you choose to thrive where you are planted, you give permission to those around you. There's a legacy that's born out of your life. I want to um, ask the worship team to come. And I just want to land with this story. Um, when my father... I was 46 years old. He had a terrible heart attack. At the time, I was 16. I was in Germany on the other side of the world on exchange. And, I, and it was amazing how God met me with his kindness, even though I wasn't even looking for him. Because that's the nature of God. He seeks us out. Even if we're stubborn of heart, he'll come and find us. But at the time, I, I came home from that trip and my father, who was strong and upright, had been made this weak, vulnerable man that I didn't even recognize. And I, I was angry as a young teena, teenager and, and I needed God to justify um, my, my grief and my sadness at what I was witnessing. But at the time, my grandfather walked into the hospital and took one look at my dad and he told him, you'll never be able to work again. This is, the, this is the end for you. He spoke these powerful words of actually death and, um, and a ceiling over my father. But my father had a different spirit. My father has a Caleb spirit. So he did not let those words of death take root in his heart. Rather, he recovered 
He got up in his 50s. He got his teaching degree. He went to teach her at 14 years full-time. He continues into his 60s to teach part-time even today. Whilst he was teaching full-time, he taught 420 students. He and mum travelled to Beijing where they ran an English teaching school and discipled uh, young church leaders for two years. They lived over there. You know, there is still a harvest coming out of my dad's life because he had a Caleb spirit. And what it did for me as a next generation is it gave me permission to get up, to overcome and to be one that carried a Caleb spirit myself. Why don't you stand right across this room here today? I thank you, Lord, we are not of those who shrink back. I thank you, C3 Hobart Hobart, is a company of people that carry an overcoming, territory-taking spirit. I thank you, Lord, they're advancing, they're extending, they're rising up. I thank you, strength is entering the spirit of the saints in this place right now in Jesus' mighty name. I want to ask you to lift your hands today if you want to receive that spirit, a deposit of that territory-taking, way-making spirit. I thank you, Holy Spirit. You, you move across this room. You sweep across this room. You're sweeping across this room, left to right. I see you moving in. I see you depositing, 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 depositing. I thank you, hope is rising in the hearts of the saints. Faith is rising in the hearts of the saints. They will fear not the future. They'll laugh at the days to come. In Jesus' mighty name, Spirit of God, fire of God, impart and touch and fill right now, one after one after one. I thank you, Lord, you're turning the tables. I thank you, Lord, you're turning the tables. Many circumstances, just as they decide to get up, just because they've decided to reach out, just because their spirit is cleaving to love, cleaving to life. I literally see there are circumstances that are shifting right now just because you got up, just because your spirit is risen, just because you're in agreement, just because you said yes. Do not be surprised when the tables of your circumstance turn as of now in Jesus' mighty name. Tables are turning, circumstances are shifting. He will withhold no good thing. He has all good things for you in Jesus' mighty name. Now, friends, I want to ask a question in this place. The beginning of advancing is knowing Jesus Christ. The beginning of boldness, the beginning of faith is being in relationship with the one who knows you and loves you and sees you. And so I want to ask right across the company of this house this morning, I want to ask you to consider in your heart, do you need to acknowledge Jesus here today? Do you need to receive him into your heart, into your life? See, he's a gentleman. He comes by invitation. And right now, I want to create an opportunity for you to acknowledge him. See, he always sees you. He's seen you since your infancy. He's seen you in the highs and lows of life. He's a God who is close to the brokenhearted. He journeys with us, ups and downs. He's always seen you, but I'm asking you this morning, do you see him? Will you acknowledge him and will you invite him in? If you've never prayed a prayer that says, Jesus... I see you. I'm inviting you into my heart, into my life today. Maybe you need a fresh start with him. Maybe you've wandered off course for a number of years, but you need to reconnect with him today. I'm going to lead you in that prayer. If you've never prayed a prayer that acknowledges Jesus, if you need to reinstate your faith today and get back on course with him, then I'm going to pray with you. Or if you're 
apprehensive about your eternity. You couldn't tell me if you would exit out of this life that you would land in heaven. See, Jesus is the one that marks us so that God recognises us. When we, when we cross into eternity, He's the one that enables us to go to heaven. And if you're uncertain here today, I want to give you confidence and lead you in a prayer that receives Jesus. So I just want to bow every head right across the auditorium, just in a moment of looking inward in considering the state of our own heart. And I want to ask you, who needs to pray that prayer today? And friends, I'm going to ask you to, to be bold enough to lift your hand as an indication to me right across this auditorium that says, Nat, I need to pray that prayer today. I need to receive Jesus. I see your hand. That's wonderful. Lift it up nice and high, just over your head so I can see. Who else is there needed here today that needs to pray and receive Jesus? I see your hand. That's wonderful. Can I just ask you to take the handbrake off this morning? Can I just ask you to trust him a little bit this morning? Trust him with your heart. Trust him with your life. Those that need to pray. A prayer that says, Jesus, I see you and I need you. I see you there today. Then I'm going to ask you to lift your hand and we're going to pray right now. Thank you, Jesus. I see you, I see you, I see you. Friends, right across this church, can, could you look up at me and can we repeat this prayer together? Dear Jesus, today I invite you into my heart. Wash me clean. Help me follow you. Thank you that you see me. From today forward, I see you. I'm giving my heart to you. Jesus, your Saviour, and you are Lord. In your mighty name, amen, amen, amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for listening to C3 Hobart Online. If this message has impacted you in any way, please don't hesitate to contact us at c3hobart.org.au.